Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Thursday morning, well, morning here anyway, uh, August the 26th, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, may well not be morning, but uh, my love to you, uh, God's blessings to you. I, I hope I hope that you just sense, feel, know, uh, experience that uh, presence of God in your life, uh, around you, within you, among you, here today. Because that's right where our God is, huh? Um, okay, so today we are continuing through Matthew's Gospel. We jump from the 23rd chapter to the end of the 24th chapter today. So we've been kind of moving through these uh, later chapters of Matthew uh, pretty, pretty quickly here recently. Today is Matthew 24, verses 42 to 51. So Jesus has left the Pharisees and the scribes behind, which he's been dialoguing or confronting uh, this last week when we've been hearing those Gospels. And here he's speaking to his disciples today, okay? So let's break open God's Word and again see what God has for us today within it. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Stay awake. For you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too you also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. Who then is the faithful and prudent servant whom the master has put in charge of his household to distribute to them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master on his arrival finds doing so. Amen, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is long delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, The servant's master will come on an unexpected day and in an unknown hour and will punish him severely and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like great news today, but it is. Again, uh, you know, let's let's break open what the experience of Matthew and the Church of Matthew, which is probably Antioch, uh, is uh, is talking about here. So, Matthew wrote his gospel <clears throat> probably around the year seventy-five or eighty A.D. So, figure uh, if the the death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus was around circa 30 A.D., okay? Uh, Then we're talking a good 45, even maybe 50 years after uh, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Now, you may be thinking, why on earth would they wait that long? Uh, and, And was it Matthew who wrote the gospel? That's a really good question. Matthew, we're not sure. We're not sure. Uh, If it was Matthew... Um, he would have certainly been older. Matthew was the primary apostle uh, at the church in Antioch. Antioch was north of Jerusalem, up in Syria, 
So maybe, I'm guessing, but let's say maybe 100, 150 miles north of. And that was the, the church that Matthew established. So whether it was Matthew or disciples of Matthew that came out of that church that wrote it, that we don't know. Smarter people than I would know that. Um, but here's, here's generally what scholars are saying about that is uh, in terms of why wait so long. Because that first generation of believers of which Matthew would be a part really believed that the second coming of Christ would happen within their time. And they were ready for it. We know what the, the, how the martyrs lived and all those things. I mean, ready for the return of Christ within that first 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And when it didn't happen, and that first generation of apostles, of disciples, of followers were starting to die off, they didn't want the story to die with them. Uh, even though they were very much an oral uh, people at the time that, that told stories orally. And so we see these Gospels start coming up. Mark's probably thought to be the first around 65 to 70. So even that would have been 35 to 40 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Uh, and then Matthew and Luke, probably about 10 years later. And then John's, probably about 10 or 15 or 20 years after Matthew and Luke's gospel, around between 90 and 100. So again, that's why oftentimes John is looked at as a very young man, because if he would have been that old, you know, that many years later to write, or more likely, uh, again, followers of John uh, from John's, the, the church John established. Uh, so think of this, all of Paul's letters, all of them, every one that we know by Paul, uh, would have been written before the first gospel because Paul was killed around the year 65 uh, with Peter in the, uh, at different places and, and not in the same day, but uh, under the persecution of Nero, both around Chirka, the year 65. And so, again, we're seeing that first uh, generation die off, and they expected the second coming of Jesus. Why am I talking about all this? Because that's what our gospel is really talking. Is, is Matthew saying, listen, stay awake. For you do not know the hour on which the Lord will come. We thought it was already going to happen. We were ready for it. Um, but uh, it's not. So stay awake. Be sure of this, that the master of the house had known the hour of the night when the thief was coming. And that thief, so Jesus is the thief here. I, I love that image, actually. If we knew when it was coming, we would have stayed awake. We would have been ready. We'd have been ready for it. But we don't know. Who then is the faithful and prudent servant whom the master has put in charge of the household? You know, they're the one that, that when the master comes, finds them doing the work that the master put them about. But if that wicked servant says to himself, ah, my master is long delayed and begins to beat their fellow servants, eat and drink with drunkards, the servant's master will come in an unexpected day and on an hour and will punish them. So he's dealing with real life stuff here. I know, brothers and sisters, we thought Jesus was going to come. We already thought it would happen. He hasn't come yet. But we have to live as if he's coming today, tomorrow. That's what Matthew is saying. We don't know that hour. And so it was after this first generation of believers that the church, when they were starting to die off, around the time these Gospels were being written, that the church settled in for the long haul. 
We don't know when Jesus is coming back. We just know we have to be about his work, doing his work. And brothers and sisters, that is exactly true of us today, isn't it? We have to be about his work. The truth is, Jesus could come tomorrow. He could come today. We do not know that. Only the Father knew the hour, right? Jesus said that when they, when they quizzed him about that. When will the end of the age come? When will that second coming? When will that, that you know, kingdom be established? Only the Father knows the hour and the day and the time. We don't know it. But brothers and sisters, really, really, and, and maybe this is one of the, the things this gospel points to, it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. And I don't mean who cares. That's not what I'm saying. My, I'm saying is that shouldn't affect how you and I live today. Because if we are those faithful servants, then we need to live according to how our God invites us, according to how that love relationship invites us, right? I mean, if I'm in love, it doesn't matter if my wife is away on a journey or not. I'm still going to love her and I'm still going to act appropriately, right? Not just, okay, I'm going to do whatever I want and then when I know Renee is coming back on this day, on this flight, well, then I'll get my act together. Is that what love looks like? So that looks pretty minimalistic, huh? Love begets love. And if I am in love, that relationship uh, naturally uh, looks in one way. It, 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 it naturally calls certain things out of you and I. And that's what it's inviting us to. Now, I am sure Matthew wasn't just making things up, talking and saying, hey, you know, uh, let me just use an example. If a wicked servant says, hey, my master is long de- delayed, begins to beat fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, becoming drunk, you know, uh, let me just use that example. If that happens, that's pretty poor. Because I suspect Matthew was looking around and some of the quote-unquote pastors, some of the leaders of these household churches were probably acting in that way. And we can be shocked at that and say, how could they do that? But then, brothers and sisters, how do some of our quote-unquote pastors, how, how have we seen them act in the last 20, 40, 60 years here? Not all, not even most, a very small percentage. I mean, we are, are, need to be so grateful for the good leaders that we have been given by our God in our church. But, but we all know there are, there are some, right, that have not acted in a way that begets that term, pastor or shepherd or leader. So what was true then is true now. I want to use a, a couple of examples and then, uh, then we'll pray. But I, I like this story. So it's kind of a, a I, I read it today as I was doing some research, so I'll read it for you today. But I thought it's worth pondering today and chewing on. Three apprentice devils were preparing to go up to earth for some on-the-job training. Their teacher asked each one, What technique do you plan to use to get people to sin? The first devil said, I plan to use the classical approach. I'll tell people there is no God, so sin all you want. The second devil said, I plan to use the intellectual approach. I'll tell them there's no hell, so sin all you want. The third devil said, I plan to use a more subtle approach. I'll tell them there's no hurry. So sin all you want. You can repent and be good later. Isn't that good? 
brothers and sisters, I think both of us, well, I think I think most of us, I, I, I won't say all of us just because I don't know everybody who's listening to this, but I think most of us would see the first and the second coming. There is no God, there is no hell. Huh, come on, come on. But that third subtle approach I think is real. And I think that's what Matthew is pointing to here. You know what? I've got time. I'm 20. I'm 30. I've got years ahead of me. I'm 56. I've got years ahead of me. I can take it easy now. Eat, drink, and relax and enjoy the fruit of my labors. Isn't that the parable Jesus told? And, and the angel of the Lord says, you fool. Tonight your, your life will be uh, required of you. We don't know when that end comes, brothers and sisters. We don't know when Jesus' return will be. We don't know when our return to Jesus will be. All we know is we have been given this day, and this day is a gift. And that love which we profess for our God, it invites us to live in a certain way. And our God invites us to live that way today. What does the day offer us? What does it invite us to and how can we use it to the best of our abilities? Last thing I'll say. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem 2,000 plus years ago, trust me, they did not expect him to be born in the way that he was born. They expected him to come as a king. They expected him and were looking in one direction. But he came not even in an inn in a stable, being placed in a manger. And the first people to know were the downtrodden shepherds, the ostracized, the outcast. Only those who were looking, the magi, only those who were looking, found him. I don't know when Jesus is going to come again. I don't know when we are going to return to our Savior. I know, I know this. I know Jesus will come to us today. And he will come most likely in a way that we are not expecting. To the extent, brothers and sisters, that we are awake, we can greet him and open ourselves to him and be one in union with him and allow him to make that manger, that stable, that place of rest within us. Not as an end in itself, by the way, so we can go around proud that God, our God lives within us. He already does that. But that he can, even more so, make that home within us so he can go from that place and greet others as well. Our God will come to us today, and not just once. Will our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds, our beings be open? And will we be able to say, yes, come, be born again in me today? Our God comes. All we have to do is prepare a place for him to stay. Let's pray. Uh, we continue again through the glorious mysteries this week. Uh, let's trust that our God in coming to us, uh, he knows what our needs are. And let's uh, trust that he can take care of all those. So let's place them before him. As we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth glorious mystery, the assumption of Mary, body and soul, into heaven. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, be well. Have a wonderful Thursday. Thanks for breaking open God's Word with me today on this Cup of Joe podcast, and I look forward to us doing that one more time tomorrow on Friday. God's peace.